Alrighty, so we've got three readings this morning. Our first reading will be from Daniel 12, um, Daniel 12 verses 1 to 3. And you can turn there or you can just listen on. So Daniel 12 verses 1 to 3. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened in the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And our second reading is from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. So that's Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And our last reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. So 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. <clears throat> well, good morning. I want to start by asking a question. What happens after we die? This is a question most of us, if not all of us, have contemplated at some time or another. If you're a Christian, you'd probably say heaven or hell. If not, you might still believe in heaven or an afterlife. Or you might say there's nothing after death. The physical, it's all there is. Still, others believe that we might come back as someone or as something else. Or you might say, how can anyone possibly know? And I think with all honesty, 
That's a really fair question and thought. How can anyone know what happens after we die? Whether you're a Christian or not, unless you've been to the other side of death and seen it for yourself, how can you know? Unless someone has been there on the other side of death and come back, how can any of us know what happens after we die? If you wanted to know what Fiji was like as a holiday destination, who would you ask? Has anyone here been to Fiji? A few people? Uh, you know, of course you could ask a, a Fijian what Fiji is like, but you could also ask anyone who has been to Fiji themselves and come back, experienced it. They can tell you what it's like. And if you want to know what happens after death, I put to you, there's only one person who's qualified to answer that question, and that is Jesus Christ, the one person who's actually been there on the other side of death and returned. Today, in part five of our series of Two Ways to Live, we're going to be thinking about the resurrection of Jesus, what it means for us, both now and into eternity. And if you're a follower of Jesus or not, or somewhere in between, I hope you will get a lot out of what we see. We're going to get an answer to the question, what happens after we die? But there's also many other great truths that come from the resurrection of Jesus. <clears throat> Last week, we looked at the topic of Jesus' death, that because of God's love, he sent his son Jesus into the world who took the punishment we deserved by dying on the cross. But of course, the story of Jesus, it doesn't end with his death. Something extraordinary happens after Jesus dies. The Bible makes the claim that Jesus doesn't stay dead, but that he rose back to life. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28. Uh, the, the passage we had read out in our Bible reading. Matthew 28, verse 1 to 10. The account of the resurrection of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, where we see the action happen. The first account of the first people that saw Jesus rise from the dead. Please read along with me. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. 
they came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. We see here in the Bible, as clear as it can be, Jesus was dead and crucified and he came back to life. He was in the tomb for three days and now the tomb where his body was placed, it's empty. And he appeared in bodily form, flesh and blood to some of his followers. Jesus had died, been on the other side of death and come back. Now, if you're here with us today and you're new to these things, then I want to acknowledge that there's an elephant in the room here. And when we share the gospel and the story of the resurrection with our friends, we need to understand this is an extraordinary claim that we find in the Bible. If I ever claimed to you that I'd just been resurrected from the dead, you would think I was crazy or a lunatic. No one can do that. Even today, in 2022, all our increases in medical technology, science, the best we can do is extend life, maybe a few years or even a few decades, but nobody can defeat death. The truth is, once you're dead, you stay dead. Was this something, something uh, a more primitive culture could believe? But in our day and age, we just, we just can't believe these things. Well, no. The good news for us is that even in Jesus' day, people were no less sceptical. Even though Jesus had told people he was going to rise from the dead before he died, listen to how his disciples responded when the women first arrived back to tell them what they'd seen. In Luke 24.11, we're told, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Someone rising from the dead wasn't something that was any more normal back then than it is for us today. So what changed for the disciples? Because obviously they're the ones that went on to proclaim the risen Lord Jesus. Please turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus gave the disciples evidence that he was physically resurrected. He showed them the wounds in his side. And the Gospel of Luke records, he he told them to touch him and he ate in front of them so they could see he wasn't a ghost. But even despite all of this, still not all the disciples were convinced. And the reason for that is not all the disciples were in the room when Jesus appeared. The infamous disciple Thomas was one that missed that appearance of Jesus in the flesh. For a whole week, his friends kept telling him, Jesus is alive, we've seen him, we touched him. But despite this, Thomas refused to believe. In verse 25 of the passage there, 
Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and the wounds in his side, I will not believe. But I think it's great for us that we get to see the scepticism Thomas has. We get to see through his eyes the impact seeing the risen Lord Jesus had on him. In his mind, even if all his mates had been conned, he is not going to believe unless he sees it. And one week later, in the same house, Jesus stands among them. In verse 27, and he says to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas cries out, My Lord and my God. So the disciples went from calling the resurrection of Jesus nonsense to believing it was true, proclaiming it to their death. But of course, in the preceding 2,000 years, many people have had doubts. And I want to say to you, of course, this is an incredible claim. Someone rose from the dead. But I also want to suggest, even today, the historical evidence points to Jesus rising from the dead to the resurrection taking place. I won't spend too much longer, but there's three things that I want to draw your attention to. And I feel it's important to be convinced of this because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then nothing in Christianity matters. So it's important that we are sure he did. And when we communicate to others, we, we, we have a reason for what we believe. So the three facts that are undisputed. Jesus was crucified and died. After the third day, Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb. And third, from the very beginning, a significant number of men and women claimed that they saw the risen Lord Jesus. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15, over 500 people had seen Jesus risen from the dead. Now, if all three of those facts are true, the evidence points to Jesus being resurrected from the dead. So what could be some alternatives? Well, did Jesus definitely die? Was he definitely crucified? Could it be that he just never died on the cross? Or he was nailed there but managed to somehow get down and and, and get away alive? Well, that one is an easy one. There's not a single historian in any university in the world who doesn't believe Jesus was crucified. There's just so many records, not just the Bible, but outside that record Jesus being killed on the cross. So we know Jesus died on the cross and we know he was buried. His body was buried and we know the tomb was empty. But how else could have the tomb become empty? Is it possible that someone stole the body? The only alternative to Jesus rising is that the body was taken. But you see, who who would have stolen the body? The Jewish leaders and the Romans, they would have loved to point to Jesus' body, to, to put out Christianity. They didn't want it to spread. They thought it was a cult. So they definitely didn't steal the body. Could it have been Jesus' disciples who stole the body? to keep this myth legend going. Well, you see, nearly all of the disciples of Jesus suffered and died 
because of their belief in Jesus. Now, would you die for a lie? It's true, many fanatics regularly give their life for a cause they believe in. But the difference with the first disciples here, they were in a position to know whether their cause was based on fact or fabrication. Even the most sceptical historians generally concede that apostles at least believed they saw Jesus alive. So it seems highly unlikely that they stole the body. And lastly, I think one of the, the, the other big pieces of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, the conversion of the Apostle Paul, a man who travelled around persecuting, arresting and killing Christians, who then all of a sudden converts to Christianity and preaching this message. And what changed for him? He claims the risen Lord Jesus appeared before him. So the evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, even from a historical point of view, is quite compelling. And in terms of evidence, I put it to you, it's actually the most plausible explanation for the facts. Now, that's, that's all I'm going to talk about in terms of evidence. But I just wanted to say, if you're keen to think more about evidence for the resurrection of Jesus or the Bible or any of those things, uh, then please come along to our next Life series starting in January uh, or invite a friend who might be interested. We, we love to have people come along who are sceptical, ask questions and think through these things in details. But now, if Jesus did rise from the dead which he did, then what does that mean for us and for our lives? First, Jesus' resurrection proves to us that the death of Jesus worked. My kids, they love playing with my tools at home, especially my lawnmower, just pretending to push it around the backyard and things like that. One day, they decided to... Uh, refill the fuel in my lawnmower but they decided to refill it with water the next time I went to start my mower it just started for a few seconds and then it just died no matter how hard I tried to turn it on I couldn't get it started again my mower was dead I had to take it into the mower shop to try and get it fixed uh, they found the problem told me it was fixed I picked it up and took it home but how could I know that my mower was fixed how could I have confidence that the job they'd done worked? Only by pulling that cord and hearing the engine start again. My mower that was dead, I saw, was now alive. Last week, we saw Jesus died on the cross. He took the punishment for our guilt, for our wrongs, for our sins. We were separated from God in desperate need of forgiveness. But how do we know the death of Jesus worked? How do we know that his sacrifice was enough? How do we know that we can be right with God? Because he was raised back to life. We know that God's punishment was paid in full on Jesus. We know his death worked because God raised Jesus back to life. The resurrection proves the death on the cross worked. What else does the resurrection mean for, our, for us? 
Jesus' resurrection proves to us that there is life beyond the grave. We can know what happens after we die. We can have a sure hope after we die. Please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. <clears throat> we see here Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Just like when you have a first fruit on your tree in your backyard. Let's say an apple tree, because my apple tree currently has its first fruit. Those fruit, the apples, the first ones, they're an indication of what is to come. If the first apples are tasty and delicious and develop well, then I know the rest of the crop is going to be the same. So too with the resurrection of Jesus, that he is the first fruit of those who have died. Him being raised to life shows us we too will be raised just as he was. We too can have hope that we will be resurrected that there is life after the grave. Jesus was the first fruits, which guarantees and means the rest of the crop. Us can also have hope in the resurrection. We can know what will happen after we die. If we trust in Jesus, we will be raised to everlasting life. This current life, it is not the end. And what a wonderful truth that is. Have you ever noticed, like me, time just seems to go quicker and quicker and quicker every year? My kids were just babies, it seems like yesterday. And now next year, my second son is starting school. I just want life to slow down. It just feels too fast. And I'm in my mid-30s. Those older than me tell me it only gets faster and faster and faster. But in the Bible, uh, oh, so for some of us, as we think about our lives, they're filled with beauty and joy and happiness. For some of us, as we look back on this life now, it's filled with pain and suffering and loss. And for many of us, our lives are a mixture of both of these things. But in the Bible, God promises a day we can look forward to when God will recreate our world, will be filled with joy and beauty and satisfaction, where there's no pain or injustice, and where time doesn't move too fast because there's all of eternity to enjoy. I love that thought as this life passes by, that this is just the tip of the iceberg. This life is not the end. We will be resurrected 
and live for eternity if we trust in Jesus. A little bit later in the passage, if you're still there in 1 Corinthians, in verse 32, Paul says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Without the promise of the resurrection, death is a shadow which haunts our lives now. Death is the great full stop. If there isn't anything after this life, then it doesn't matter what we do now, how we act. There are no consequences. But with the promise of the resurrection, it means death isn't the full stop on our life. There's more to come. And we must face our existence now with an eternal perspective. I have a, have a rope here. And uh, I want to assure you that this rope is a very, very, very long rope. In fact, uh, you can't see, but there's a hole in the stage and a hole through my bag, and the rope runs under the stage and out onto the road, and then it runs down Wyong Road and to Shelley Beach, and then this rope runs into the ocean and around the world a few times. That's how long this rope is. The, uh, the, I want you to imagine that this, this rope that runs all that distance is a timeline of your entire existence. Now, see this blue part just on the end of the rope. That blue part, that's our, that's our time here on earth. The few short years that we have as we live on this earth. But after this life, we just have all of eternity to follow. That doesn't end. After this life, eternity will go on and on and on. This is the perspective that the resurrection of Jesus gives us. So let me ask you, in light of all eternity, where do you spend your time and energy and efforts? Because if it's all just for the here and the now, what sense does that make? if we are focused solely on this life, when we have all of eternity to follow. The resurrection of Jesus gives us an eternal perspective and it means this life isn't the end. Now, so far I've been talking about Jesus' resurrection and how he rose from life to death and his resurrection guarantees ours. And all of this is true. But did you know the idea of the resurrection in the Bible, the dead being raised to life, it's something that God's people have looked forward to and hoped for long before Jesus. The clearest reference that we have in the Old Testament was in our Bible reading, uh, Daniel chapter 12, where it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and others to everlasting contempt. This was always been a central part of the hope of God's people, a restored creation, a future kingdom, a day when there would be justice and judgment. But this was always thought of as something that would just happen at the conclusion of history, the final day, the last day, the end judgment. The idea of resurrection was never considered as something that might happen in the middle of human history. 
The resurrection was only thought about as an event at the end of time for all people, never as happening to an individual. Even the Messiah was not thought of as rising again mid-human history. This is partly why it took the disciples of Jesus by such a surprise. They just couldn't get their head around it. People don't rise from the dead now. We know, we know it's going to happen on the final day. But what does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead mid-human history? Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 25. A statement Jesus makes that is incredible. Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus doesn't say here, I will be the resurrection as in the future, but he says, I am the resurrection as in the present. What does it mean for Jesus to say he is the resurrection and the life? Well, this statement, it does say something about our future. Jesus is going to be the one who returns in glory on that final day. When the dead are raised, some to everlasting life and others to everlasting judgment. Jesus will rule and judge the world. When all the evils and injustices of the world will be put right, the day that the book of Daniel refers to and many other references, Jesus will be the one who rules and judges and comes back on that final day. But it means more than just this. In Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life, he is saying the resurrection has also come now. The resurrection is here among you in me. It's come mid-human history, before the final day. A judgment and everlasting life has already started. But how so? Jesus took the judgment of God upon himself on the cross so that ever, whoever believes in him will have life, will not face God's judgment on the final day. You might have heard the term now but not yet. And so many of God's promises we find are fulfilled both now but not yet. This is one of them. There is still a final day, a resurrection that we look forward to, but the resurrection has started now with Jesus. He is the first fruit and he's started taking the judgment on himself for our sins so that whoever believes in him will not face the final judgment before God, but find forgiveness in his work on the cross. And that Jesus was raised to life it also means that those of us who trust in Jesus receive a new life now. Our new life, our eternal life starts now as well, not just on that final day. Please turn with me to our final passage, 1 Peter chapter 1. 
1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In Jesus' resurrection, he earned for us a new life, just like his. We don't receive all of the new resurrection life now. Our bodies, they still remain as they were. We're still subject to weakness and ageing and death in this life. But our spirits are made with a new resurrection power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in us helping us to be more like Christ, at work in us to make sure we continue on in the faith. Our eternal life has started now. It is now that we have been born into a living hope. It is now that we have received an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade because of the resurrection of Jesus. That judgment that we would have received on the last day has already been paid for in Jesus on the cross. Now that Jesus rose again means he is the Lord and he will judge. But because he rose again, if we trust in him, we won't have to face that judgment on the final day. All of our punishment has been put on Jesus on the cross. And so we too can rise again and live in eternity with God forever. So we've seen today, Jesus rose from the dead. His resurrection proves his death on the cross worked. It guarantees there's life beyond the grave. And it gives us life now that will go on into eternity. So we have two choices do we follow Jesus, the resurrected Lord? Or do we keep living for just this short life here and now? Let me close in prayer. Father in heaven, I just thank you for your promises that you give us. Thank you that Jesus rose from the dead. And that means we too can have confidence. There is hope beyond the grave. I pray that you will help us to hold on to this promise. Help us to live not just for this life, but for the one to come. And I just ask that you would fill us with that resurrection power now, changing and shaping our lives. Help us to look to you. Amen.